and good morning hope you guys are safe and well i just got back from texas late last night so needs a lot of coffee today to catch up but i got uh, logan and harsh with me today and i'm gonna give you guys a few seconds to hop on and then we'll have logan introduce some new members and then get the session started good morning everyone and uh before we introduce the new members for those of you who are also newer if you haven't already go ahead and click the StreamYard link at the top of the posts that you see inside of the facebook group um, you'll go through two steps and it'll allow us to see your name on our end if you do not do that then it just shows facebook username. and uh with that let's go ahead and introduce our new members for the week uh so we want to welcome kuliev kuliev ali welcome to the group Z Koss, welcome. Barlin, uh, we have Cheyenne in the house, and then Alexander Alvarez. Welcome all to the group, guys. Awesome, welcome, guys. I'm happy to have you guys. Um, so today we have several questions, so we need you guys to post more questions uh, to the uh, to the comment section. And I'm gonna have Logan read them off to me. Um, hit me up, Logan. All right, uh, so to kick us off, we'll start with the first question of the week from Barlin. And he said, hello, Manny, aside from the general investment criteria in the program, mm -hmm. do you have a special or more specific criteria for commercial real estate in New York City, which is where he's from? Yeah, I mean, I always, uh, you guys hear me say it over and over, my first main metric is price per foot. Um, and any property that's underperforming in terms of occupancy, that's not being you know, uh, managed properly, is what you know, presents a value at. So I would say go pull out what is the price per foot average for your area, that zip code in New York, and also look at the average occupancy. And this way, when you look at the listings in that area, you can uh, identify which ones are underperforming. Um, really, those two are the main, main uh, thing. And then, of course, you want to look at the quality of construction, make sure the property is not, you know, uh, coming with a lot of different maintenance and capex. Um, a lot more goes into it. But price per foot and occupancy is like the first two metrics that you should choose to filter out um, properties that are available for sale. All right. And then he also put, uh, he signed up for LoopNet recently. Mm -hmm. He's moved to the group. He started searching for properties. He saved his criteria and has asked for leads. We'll continue to do the same with other real estate sites. Uh, good job. And just make it a focus to connect with brokers on these sites. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to build your network of brokers. Um, a lot of times they have properties that are coming to the market um, that they rather double end it directly with a buyer investor and not take it to the market, which is where you're looking at in the market, LoopNet, Craigsy, CoStar. It's never going to be posted there. So it's good to build a network of brokers and uh, let them know what your criteria is and your appetite uh, for different asset classes. All right. Uh, with that, we'll hop to our next question from Luis. Camarina, and he said, what's up, Manny Luis here. Uh, newbie, you shouted out on email blast, wanted to say thank you, it was very inspirational. And his question, 
Uh, what strategies have you used in the past to get low lease rates from 20 to 30% up to 90 to 100%? What low rates? What was uh, the question? Lease rates. Lease oh. Occupancy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, his question, read it again to me, sorry. Uh, overall, how do you lease up properties from 20 to 30% up to oh, 90 Yeah, so best strategy is always uh, throwing a dollar to $2 a foot bonus. Um, brokers always are enticed by you know commissions and if you're giving a bonus that always helps uh, another uh, you know marketing strategy is paying you know for marketing a lot of brokers don't want to spend money to highlight your property on loopnet coaster you can actually pay extra and you'll pop on the top search when uh, tenants or tenant reps are looking for a space those two really are it aside from being more aggressive on the rate and also more aggressive on TI dollars, you know, the amount of TI allowance you offer. Um, do you decide, uh, when do you decide whether or not you want to put ads towards your listings on LoopNet for aggressive leasing? Yeah, so if it's been 90 days and you have not had any, uh, you know, leasing, uh, lease up traction, um, I would say you got to get more aggressive and spend more, you know, advertising dollars, you know. And then you touched on this already, but maybe you have more to add. You also said, do you leave all the marketing strategies up to the management company? For most part, but again, if I'm not getting leasing traction, um, you know, I like to have a chat with my leasing brokers. Say, hey, uh, this is not working. What do we got to do? What do you recommend? Uh, do we got to drop the leasing rate, advertise, uh, increase the dollar amount on TIs? Uh, maybe start you know advertising it um on a premium sites and and pay the premium so there is a lot uh they may have ideas uh so definitely keeping a open communication with the leasing broker at least having a once a month meeting with them is a key uh, so they know you're motivated and you're willing and uh, that's basically the only advice i got all right, uh, so our next question is from Zaran. Good to see you here. Said, hi, Manny, when owning a few office buildings and retail centers, mm -hmm. do you pay taxes on the cash flow every year? And is that considered ordinary income? And when rolling the sales of these buildings into 1031s, mm -hmm. do you have to eventually pay taxes at the very end, or is there a strategy for that? Well, yeah, you pay taxes on your cash flow, uh, but your cash flow, when it comes to taxes, uh, you have some write-offs when it comes to amortization, depreciation. Uh, for example, if you put a brand new roof, roofs are usually amortized 10 years to 15 years. So your CPA would take, if you spend $100,000, and you would take take 10000 a year uh, write-off because you're amortizing over 10 years. Uh, but uh, let's say you, uh, you know, repair your roof. Then you can write off the whole thing in that same year. Uh, but aside from that, depreciation is a big one. Um, that's why, you know, a uh, lot of wealthy uh, investors like Donald Trump love real estate. I love real estate. Uh, depreciation is what you actually is not a, a actual expense out of your pocket, but it's what you write off uh, that, that the life of the property over 39 years is what IRS allows you to write the property, the building, leasehold improvements over 39 years, but you can accelerate it too. So a lot of times that will eat up your 
taxable cash flows. You'll end up with a negative income uh, due to that depreciation and amortization. And then if you do roll it over to 1031, that gets carried over. So it's just reducing your cost basis, right? So uh, at some point, if you break your 1031, you're gonna have to recapture all that depreciation and amortization, and you'll end up with a huge uh, capital gains tax. So that's why you don't wanna break that 1031. All right, uh, next question from Siraj. He said, I am signing my first commercial property exclusive marketing agreement with a healthcare mm -hmm. broker. Uh, their fees say one month rent plus 4% of the initial lease term rent, but also they want 2% of the renewal lease up um, to 10 years if the tenant renews. Is such a 2% renewal fee to same broker a common practice by healthcare realtors if tenant renews their initial lease? Yeah, most often they do. Um, these tenants have uh, reps for many years. They use the same broker. Uh, and you definitely want to pay that 2% because otherwise that broker is going to find them a better property to move in 10 years when the lease is up. So I would say it's very typical um, and it's 10 years from now, very likely you're not going to own the property. You're going to sell it before 10 years. So you're not going to have to pay that. Uh, but yeah, it's very typical, especially for a long-term credit tenant or a medical tenant. All right. Uh, next question from Edward. He said, I know you recommend looking at newer construction, 1980 plus, but when looking at older construction, what are a few things to look out for? Well, the obvious ones would be if they're super old, prior to 1971, you would have asbestos, you could have lead base, uh, you know, that's used in the paint. Um, aside from those environmental hazard issues, you Definitely going to have lower ceiling height, which is very problematic if it's office, um, old plumbing, old electrical. Uh, those are like the top, uh, I would say, issues uh, that you would end up with. Typically, uh, deferred maintenance or a capital expenditure would be very high on older buildings if the plumbing, electrical, roof, HVAC system hasn't been updated. Um, so those are the, uh, I would say, the main ones. All right. Uh, with that said, guys, like Manny mentioned towards the beginning of the call, it is lighter questions this week. So we see some questions coming in the comments. Keep them coming. We're about to hop into it. Um, and then the next question is from Christina and Duane. They mm -hmm. asked, we have three commercial properties valued at $3.5 in the village producing steady income. Occupancy is 95%. Properties are fully depreciated with no debt. We want to scale and optimize tax benefits. Should we keep the cash flow and take out equity to buy a value-add property in a better demographic? 1031 mm -hmm. exchange, or what are your suggestions? Oh, this is fantastic. If you have a stabilized property that's in a village, uh, you're uh, likely not, to, not going to get a low cap rate for that property. So it may be good to keep it for cash flow. Uh, if you're going to have to sell for like an eight and a half, nine cap, you know, it may not make sense. I would do a cash out refinance, pull the money out and buy a new asset where you get a new basis. New basis means full price uh, that hasn't been depreciated. Then you can go ahead and use that uh, to depreciate further. Uh, that would be my first choice. 
if it's in a if your property you think you could sell it at a six six and a half cap at 95 percent i would sell it and do a 1031 exchange all right uh with that we're going to hop into the comments and first question uh that we're seeing is from well we have one from chris he asked is there any way you can see the questions uh chris those captions that show at the bottom of the video so let us know if the captions work, if you like them, or if you want to see the full question in a different way, and uh, we will take that feedback into consideration. Um, then we have a next question from Pedzi. He asks, what are the differences between gross and modified gross leases, uh, to which Hosh provided a technical definition, but can you give more context and clarification on different lease types and then what are the pros and cons of each? yeah so the gross lease basically means gross uh that means the tenant pays one rent is fixed uh regardless of what happens to utility rates property taxes insurance going up crazy like in california that does not affect the tenant it's gross lease and the landlord bears all the expenses modified gross lease is fixed rent but once a year, the landlord will go ahead do a recalculation of the expenses of the property. And if its expenses have gone up beyond the base year, when you started your lease, let's say you started 2022, you signed a lease and the expenses and by end of this year are $100,000 on this building. Now, 2023 comes and it's gone up to 120,000. That extra $20,000, the landlord is going to bill it back to all the tenants based on their pro rata share of occupancy of the building. So that is called modified gross. So where you don't pay the first 100,000 that was part of the expenses of your first year lease in the building, but you pay anything over that, over your base year is, is called. Um, and then of course you have triple net, you have double net. Um, you do have uh absolute triple net absolute triple net means the tenant pays even for a roof a structure everything so the landlord is you know basically have no expenses uh what to do with the uh, regardless uh, to do with the building um yeah so i hope i answered the question absolutely uh so if we go to the next question shout out to kuliev a uh, new member just joined us based in Los Angeles. Great to have you. Welcome to the group. And then uh, Edgy had a follow-up question asking, how do you show the income from taxes if you are in between 1031 exchanges? Well, you know, whoever is doing your underwriting, uh, they will look at three years tax return. Um, if you're a flipper constantly doing 1031, uh, they will go ahead and use some of that capital gains as your ordinary income because that's how you're building your wealth and you're taking money out obviously brief uh, cash out refis um but in between properties uh the new property hopefully has income and they'll go ahead on the right you based on the proposed uh, cash flow of that property awesome uh we have Cicera who drop a property link Cicero, we have one property review call per month um, mm -hmm. with that said if we have time today we can circle back to it we want to make sure that everyone's questions are answered so we'll hop over to chris who had the next question and said when doing a cash out refi is mm -hmm. there a certain percentage of cash you take out or does it depend on the property value? well depends on the property value and also on the debt service basically the cash flow of the property 
has to qualify to pay that debt, the new debt, which is going to be higher, right? Because you're increasing um, with rates going up is unlikely you're going to reduce your rate. Your rate's probably going to be same or higher, but your loan amount's going higher. So it's going to have higher mortgage payments per year. So the property has to do a debt service on that. Plus, you got to stay within the LTV, loan to value of the new appraised value, which usually is 65%. Uh, maybe 70% if the land, I mean, the lender is being super aggressive. Uh, cash outs are usually 60 to 65% LTV. Awesome. Uh, next question from Ed Do you have any recommendations on websites to analyze population growth trends? Mm, no. I mean, I, uh, if you look at the demographic reports they put in the OM, they almost 99% of the time they give you the uh, five year forward um, projections um, and if you don't have it for a subject property it's easy go on LoopNet, put the zip code in there for sale and you're going to find probably five other buildings for sale and i any national firm that's listing it is going to have the demographics in the om so just look at neighboring listings all right and then uh, we have a question from christine and her hmm. husband david from san antonio uh, they asked, why do you prefer not to go after properties that have been listed for a long time? Wouldn't these be better value adds since they have been listed for, let's say, almost two years? Yeah, I mean, often, you know, if it's a seller's market and a property is not selling for two years, that's usually uh, a problem uh, unless the seller is willing to drop the price, you know, 20, 30, 40%. Um, it's unlikely that's going to be a value add deal that's priced, uh, you know, well in the market because it's a seller's market. Uh, but uh, there are exceptions. I'm not saying you're not going to find a great deal, but I like properties that are less than 90 days on a market in a seller's market. Now, if it's the buyer's market, it's a totally different thing. Most listings will be on the market for a year to two years because that's what happened in 2008. Uh, great recession. Most listings were sitting on the uh, loop net for two years. Uh, this building I bought uh, from Wells Fargo, bank owned. I bought it in 2011. It was on the market for a, over a year. Um, and it's hard to believe, but I bought it for 3.1. Now it's worth over 10 million. Uh, but it was a buyer's market. In a seller's market, if a listing sets for that long, usually there's a problem with that property. So and given there's so many listings, I usually pass on those. All right. Uh, next question from Petty. In residential mm -hmm. new kitchens and baths to increase value, um, mm -hmm. what is the equivalent in the office space? In residential, he asked, uh, what does he do? Improvements? So uh, I just mentioned renovations, kitchens, uh -huh. bath, renovations in general. Homes. Mm -hmm. Um, so what is the equivalent in the office space? Pedzi, are you referring to just value-add strategies in general? Um, we'll circle back to that one. If so, Pedzi, we have yeah. a lot of content in the members area that goes over each of the value-add strategies that we recommend checking out. Uh, so next comment from Eden. In your current pitch building, as mm -hmm. an owner or user, do you pay rent to yourself so that the building is going to lie as effective when you want to sell? Yes, the answer is yes. Uh, when you get an SBA loan, SBA requires your business to have a lease um, because your business is basically getting the loan. So in that case, yes, I do. All right. And then uh, another question from Siraj. 
if I build a property assessment through the county or city mm-hmm. to reduce property taxes on a property, when I try to sell the property, do buyers see this as a negative that mm-hmm. it's having a very low assessment? If let's say they are purchasing the building for 1.2 to 1.4 million, and if the county says the assessment is 430,000 for the property tax purposes, yes and no. Depends which state you're in. Um, in California, yes, it would be a negative. However, that's why you want to make sure in your leases you do have that base year. Okay, so modified gross. You know, hopefully it's triple net lease. If it's not at the minimum have a modified gross lease with a base year because when that base year goes up when the property gets reassessed from 430,000 to 1.2 million uh the tenants pay all that extra the difference uh, but yeah in some states like Texas um I don't care about what the property is assessed because the you know the uh, county appraises the properties every year and the taxes go up regardless of what you paid for it so it depends on which estate, but in general, regardless, you want to have a modified gross lease with a base year. So you, you know, you're covered, uh, when you go to sell it, the, you know, buyers can criticize you or ding you with, uh, an extra property tax increase. All right. Um, welcome Henry. You just asked the question, seeing that 50% of the property needs to be occupied by the owner. For SBA loans, is it ideal to have a two-unit building? No, not necessarily. Um, I mean, you can uh, demise any property. Like this building here has been demised uh, several times. Uh, could be this was a single-tenant building to a story office, and now I've got uh, I think four tenants in here. So uh, doesn't have to be demised. You you know, two-unit. What I'm saying doesn't have to be legally two-unit. It could be one. And you demise it all right and uh since we have some extra time today we have had three people drop property links man are you open to reviewing these quickly yeah sure? we got eight minutes okay uh let me see is this from I which wanna, one you want to i went ahead and sent you the first one from sisera and then i can email you over the value to sure did you email that to me yeah all right Logan. Okay. I got it. Let me go back and share my screen. Oops. It's not this one. Uh, how do I share my screen? Sorry, guys. Give me a second. How do I go back to the. It's in Chrome. Oh, it's in Chrome. Okay. Uh, up here. Okay. Got it. Got it. Sorry, guys. I'm not that sophisticated when it comes to technology um, that work it says chrome lost permission to capture your screen to fix it go to system Pro. Oh. okay no problem. okay well um we may have some technical difficulties sharing screen today but we have another question come up from uh Kuliev, uh-huh and he said he's new to the program mm-hmm. uh, with no experience yet uh, he's a business owner in Los Angeles, said, my company does all type of household, office, government, and international moves. So he owns a moving company. Mm-hmm. I've been watching your videos, but wanted to know what's your suggestion for now for me? Uh, do I need to look for single family home beginning to flip or can you hop straight into commercial? 
Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't. I would stay away from residential. Uh, with rates going up, uh, in some cases, I'm I'm hearing rates up two uh, percent uh, on residential uh, properties. That's going to definitely dampen the property values. Um, I would stick to again a small retail center that's been mismanaged that you can add value uh, and definitely have a you know a, a bigger span on you know uh, you know demographics. I would go multiple estates and look for property that you can add value that you can afford to buy or bring in an equity partner after you find it. That would be my suggestion. And then Hosh mentioned that he may have a little workaround uh, while he's getting that pulled up. Siraj asked, have you ever built an office building or what's your thoughts about that? I imagine you don't recommend buying land and then building since I imagine that won't be much value add plus mm -hmm. time consuming. So overall, what are your thoughts on development? I don't like development because why go develop, build something if you can, you know, buy it for 50 cents on a dollar. Um, so I, for that reason, I don't uh, really uh, find that to be a great investment unless, unless you have a tenant in tow, you know. All right, so let's take a look at this building here. 100% lease, 5,000 square feet in Georgia. Or am I using this? Okay. Uh, let's take a look. And can you give me some feedback? What is this uh, our student want to do with this? It's 80 bucks a foot. Cicero, can you drop feedback for uh, why you're attracted to the property and what may need to look it over and what your plans are for it? Yeah, because usually, guys, I don't recommend buying a 100% lease property. There is nothing to add in terms of value. Um, this is an opportunity zone, which is good um looking at here so he has three properties three parcels um dances dance school with two years lease allied logistic lease paying 1800 and i don't know who's the other third tenant but yeah so 80 bucks a foot sounds you know good it's definitely below replacement cost but the i guess the trick is what are you going to do with it and all right this one says ground lease so that is a problem i mean i don't like to buy any property on a ground lease um you want to buy a fee sample that's definitely a no-no that means you don't own the land so yeah just on that basis plus your parking ratio is only 2.4 per thousand um based on those two uh facts i would 100% pass on this. This is not a great investment. All right. Ash, do you have the other? It looks like uh, if you go over two tabs, there's another one. Just the quick city property. Okay, what do we got here? All right. This is in Ohio. Uh, it's been on the market 280 days. It's 30% occupied. Uh, let's see, medical office. I like medical office. Let me take a look at the pictures. 
what is the ask? 875. And what is that per foot? So this is 8756, 875. Uh, is that 100 bucks a foot? Yeah, $99 a foot. Sounds good. What's the parking ratio? 60 parking spaces. That's really good. Um, so it has one long-term tenant in the lower level. So I'll, on this one here, you know, I don't know this a specific market in Ohio, uh, to be frank. Let me take a look at the, let me see if I can log into my quick see. All right, let me see if there is demographic on the flyer. Yeah, doesn't look like a high density. Okay, here we go. Okay, sorry, let me see. How do I zoom this? Oh, right back here. So three mile radius is 67,000. Um, it's a little light, but it'll be fine. Let me see average household income. Average household income is uh, 77,000. So demographic is okay. Um, I will talk to a leasing broker that focuses on medical and ask them about this property and have them tour the property for you and give you a recommendation. At hundred bucks a foot, um, it has meat on the bone. There is a long-term tenant already in the lower level. And I think if you can get uh, some feedback from a le leasing broker, that may uh, you know, give you more color on if this is a good deal or not. Um, from that's all I can really advise you on this. I don't know this market. If it was Irvine, I would tell you right away, write an offer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all right. Uh, well, it looks like with that, we're reached our 30 minute session. Uh, thanks for all your questions and joining the call. You guys be safe, be well, and I see you guys next week.